I'm a zombie. Hello. Sounds like you were singing. Really? Yeah. That's how good of a zombie like I am. Like a, no, like a monk. Oh, adios, Which isn't they're singing kind of like that in the next movie? I yes there is actually yes um but we can't get to that yet yeah. hello everybody hello. and welcome to the macaw podcast universe you know us you love us but uh maybe there's some new people listening to this one and for you newbies my name's Micah Macaw my name's Jordan Macaw and we are married we've almost been married for three years and we are best friends and we are quarantined together and we love each other very much and but that's not why you're listening. You're listening because we talk about movies. We talk about film franchises. We exist to prove people wrong when they say the sequels never better than the original. That is true. So here we are and let's give you let's flash back one week. <laughs> right? Sure. So Jordan and I we'd well maybe like a couple of weeks, you know, well one week we had we had finished Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom, and we were like, okay, now we're going to jump into the series we had planned, and it was Winnie the Pooh. And it was the six Disney movies, and we were like, let's do it. It'll be so nice. It'll be refreshing, and it's not really like any other series we've covered. And we watched the first movie. Delightful. Re- delightful. We record a podcast. We watched the second movie, and it's it's good, but it is just like... It's like, oh, this is kind of hard to analyze because it is like for a three-year-old. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, I was kind of dunking on the movie, but it's like, it felt kind of bad. And then we started watching Piglet's big movie. And so we had two podcasts in the can ready to go. And we started watching Piglet's big movie. And we (sighs) paused it and we were like, we need to change series. Like Mm -hmm. our audience deserves us to do the best series we can do. So... All that to say, folks, we do really care about you, and we want to give you the best we can give you. So we we scrapped so let's do it. a hard one eighty, hard one eighty, and we were sitting there that night, and we we're like, "What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do?" You know, because we have a couple of specific things we're trying to do with our scheduling, and this actually makes the scheduling even better for when we get to the Halloween season. Mm-hmm. So we decided let's do. The Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy by the great Edgar Wright. Now, do you want to talk about the series in general at all? Do you have anything to say? I know I'm setting you up for something you weren't necessarily prepared for. I, I mean, I didn't do the research on it. Well, no, just because um, I was just going to talk about like ha- like what kind of series it is, if anyone is unfamiliar. Oh, I well, I don't think I totally understand what kind of series it is, other than it's thematic somehow, because each movie is very different like it's its own thing and it like just by purely looking at it they don't connect yeah but of course it's not true Mm -hmm. but it you it's like pretty much the same actors in every movie but it's a different movie yeah it's like a season of fargo yes it 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 is kind of like um it's all um it's sort of it's definitely not a traditional series it's more of like a director's uh statement of intent Mm -hmm. um and they all have like common themes and certain things that they do and certain gags and stuff like that. But they're all very, very different. Like you could watch them all and not know that it is a trilogy. A trilogy. So it's kind of fascinating for us to cover on our series because it is, you know, in the same way that like some, you know, like John Carpenter has the quote apocalypse trilogy, the thing 
um, Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness, and those movies do not relate in any way. Really? Yes, but I don't know if that's a fan dub or a director dubbed. That's thing. a Sam, the Sam Neill one. Mm-hmm. Where they all kind of deal with like the world has ended. Yeah. Yeah, or it's like about to end kind yeah. of a thing. So, um, that is where we're at. And we're really excited because we love these three movies. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't watched them, I would highly, highly encourage you to watch them. If you haven't seen them yet, why not? Yeah, they're That's very my great. The, the wit, I mean, Jordan and I are big British wit fans, I would say. I think everyone is these days. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to say we're unique. I'm just saying, like, yeah. th- this kind of thing is right up our alley. Yeah. And so today we dive into 2004's Shaun of the Dead. Let, why don't you tell me about when you first saw it? Well, we first saw it at the same time. Okay, yeah. We were hanging out with Whitney Brown mm-hmm. at the Oliveras. And I don't remember why. I felt like we were just hanging out. And then I think we were like, yeah, we've never seen that. And she's like, really? Let's just watch it. That is not what happened. Oh, okay. Did we go there knowing that we were going to watch the movie? So here's what happened. Uh, Baby Driver was going to come out, and you and I had both seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Um, That was my first Edgar Wright. I hadn't seen any of his other movies. Okay. And then, um, but it was like, there was all this buzz about Baby Driver. So I was like, Jordan, we should just watch all of this guy's movies. And I didn't know what you had or hadn't seen. I I can't I've seen The World's End by that time. Okay. Um... And so um, I keep on thinking it's at World's End because of Pirates of the Caribbean. I know. I, last so night hard. I was corrected when I was on IMDb. Um, so anyway. But also at this time I'd seen Scott Pilgrim probably 20 times. And since then have probably seen it 20 more times. Yeah, that's one of your favorite movies. Yeah. So anyway, all of this to say, it was like, okay, I want to watch all this guy's movies and then see Baby Driver. So you and I started watching the movies and I think we watched Hot Fuzz after we had like rewatched Scott Pilgrim and I don't remember I don't remember the exact order but it was like oh we want to watch Shaun of the Dead and Whitney was in town house sitting for the Oliveras no I think she still lived with them at the time okay and she was house sitting for them cuz she lived there as well okay. so I guess she wasn't house sitting they were just gone and she's like hey do you guys want to come over and watch a movie okay and we were like yeah we were planning on watching Shaun of the Dead do you want to watch that and she was like yeah sure oh okay yeah I don't remember that so we watched it with her Okay. And then, um, so that actually encompasses the first time I saw it, too. Yeah. But I, I definitely you. had seen a little bit of it just in, just kind of like throughout my life. Yeah. But I do remember being like kind of young and seeing the cover of the movie and like thinking that it was like a scary movie. Right. Like not a scary movie, but like the scary movie franchise. I thought it was like one of those movies. Oh, okay. Where it's like making fun of a lot of horror movies. Yeah. Just, but. Oh, yeah. yeah you know okay, what I mean? I That's what, what I thought that the movie was. Uh-huh. And then I, I think eventually I figured out that it was just a zombie movie mm-hmm. that was a comedy, too. And then it was kind of like when we did finally watch it, it's like, how in the world did this take me so long? Oh, that is the same way I felt. Yeah. Um, and like, even at this, like, I really like zombies. I don't like zombies so much that I've seen The Walking Dead. I'm a sane person, but I'm just kidding. People who watch that show are not insane. I just don't find it that interesting, but super into zombies. So it's just even more confusing that I'd never seen yeah. it. Yeah. Well, um, I think what is really cool about this movie, um, just to front load it already, is that Yes, I think I grew up, too, thinking it was, like, 
I, I I looked through Robert Ebert's review just a little bit what ago. What do you think? And he he like he wasn't like crazy about it, but I think he still gave it like three and a half stars. So he he definitely thought it was a good movie. And he he appreciated because he was so overloaded by zombie movies at this point. Yes. That he appreciated that most of the gags and stuff like that were from like character stuff yes. instead of like, look, a zombie's doing that silly thing. Look, that's funny thing is happening. Yes. What's a creative way we can kill a zombie? Because he was like so done with that. And I think growing up, I, I always knew that this was like a, a good movie because Shane really liked it. Yeah. And so it was like something he watched a lot. But <clears throat> I just never got around to seeing it. And it was one of those things where I kind of, when I got into my like elitist film viewing, it, I just assumed it was like a trashy, like stupid comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't. It's a very character driven movie. Well, it's like, well, it's kind of a funny. I'm curious when you saw Scott Pilgrim because anyone who's seen Scott Pilgrim. I watched it with you for the first time. So that would have probably been around the same time. I oh, was okay. kind of like new like, to Edgar like, Wright. Let's I say just you, knew he was good. Uh, you had seen Scott Pilgrim like three years ago. Like how, and this is, I mean, I'm not exempt from this, but like why would anyone watch Scott Pilgrim and not think that his other movies are not good? Like, yeah. like not going into, like going into them being like, oh, that one's probably dumb though. And it's like, but have you seen yeah. Scott Pilgrim? Like that is like the most layered comedy I've ever seen. And I misspoke. I actually, we were on a seance tour and Grayson is a huge Scott Pilgrim fan. Yeah. Huge. So you um, watched it with him. And he brought it on the on the tour and we watched it in the RV. Yeah. But the generator was going and we could only turn the TV up so loud. So it's like, I watched the movie. I knew what happened, but I would say I missed, because of how packed that movie oh, is, yeah. I probably missed like 65% of the jokes. Totally. And like dialogue. Yeah. I, it was like more of a visual thing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But then when you and I watch it, I was like, oh, this is not like a cool movie. This is like a masterpiece. Like yeah. no one has done this before. No. Um, so yeah, so let's, let's talk about Edgar Wright a little bit. Okay. Because we are some of the few people who have seen his very first movie. Yeah. A Fistful of Fingers. Yeah. Really bad movie, guys. Really, truly terrible. Truly terrible. It was like... But I would say very encouraging. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, so... It's like a Western. He was on Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. um, An episode of Comedy Bang Bang. And Scott said... Yeah, so your first movie, Shaun of the Dead, because him and Scott are friends. And he was like, well, actually, I made this movie when I was, I think he said when he was in film school or like in college or okay. just out of college. And um, Scott's like, what? And and he he said, yeah, I usually don't correct people. So he, so in interviews, people will say. Like, your first movie, Shaun of the Dead. And he'll just be like, yeah, he'll just because he's embarrassed by it. But it is this like. It's this very like Monty Python esque kind of movie about a gunslinger. Yeah. Um, but the quality is is abysmal. Well, and, it, and and like the acting is pretty terrible. Yeah. There are definitely funny parts of it, but it it just really feels like someone's first movie. Yes. And 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 I, there's no budget. No it, budget. No budget. At all. But what's crazy about it is like, so it's not a good movie. It's really encouraging for someone who is also creative. Yeah. And like, oh my gosh, he is like one of the best filmmakers currently working. And it is so encouraging to know that his official first movie was not good. And to see that his follow-up movie, Shaun of the Dead, yeah. is like, oh, that's his potential. Right. Well, and... and if Wait, when did the first one come out? The uh, Let me check. But um, the, the other person it reminds me of is Stanley Kubrick. Because do you remember his first movie... 
is like utter garbage. Oh yeah, it's, and it's, it's like hard to watch. And it's it's him. It's called Fear and Desire, and it's him like. You know, you know, it's it's like a young person trying to make all these huge points about life, but they don't have enough life in them to like make those points. Yes, is how the Kubrick movie felt. Uh, Ninety five was Fistful of Fingers. Okay. So nine years later, he makes Shaun of the Dead. So it is very encouraging that like you can make something bad and you can grow and you can get better. Yes, and then you can make like a comedy classic. And, and I think that you have to uh, like like barf out the bad stuff at a, a certain lot point, of the yeah. times for for people who are creative like that's a first draft of things like i've just been, i guess mostly speaking to writing mm-hmm. but like a lot of the times it's just the first draft it's yeah. just like utter garbage because you just need to like barf it all out right but yeah i mean like it, it's it's just you have you have to sometimes make something that's not that great and because you get it out of your system slash maybe it allows you to do something better yeah down the road which it did well and hopefully as you're growing as an artist you know i yeah. look back on till life turns over my first album and actually the last time i listened to it, i was like this you know this is better than i remember like than i'd convince myself it was but i feel like if you compare till life turns over and imbalances it's like Night and completely day. different. Yeah. And and it's it's like a hundred percent better in balances in like every aspect of it. Um and that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um so after Edgar Wright does that um movie, in ninety six he begins doing some TV work. Okay. And so from then on he's doing TV work and in his his next thing after Fistful of Fingers, he directs some stuff in this tv miniseries called asylum and simon Pegg is involved in that what what kind of thing is that that is a surreal black comedy about an assortment of odd characters trapped in an asylum so he he directed all of it that sounds good um and i don't know if that's where they met i i I feel like they've been friends for a while but so they're doing stuff and then they work on this show together like um simon Pegg created it with um this woman named Jessica Hines and then direct uh, Edgar Wright worked on it. Who is the it. girl in the movie uh, that they keep running into each other? Oh, with the golf club. Yeah, that's very cool. I didn't realize that. So it's a show called Spaced, and this is kind of like the beginning of like Edgar Wright. Uh, I I would say because okay. I follow him on Twitter, and he was he talks about Spaced quite a bit, and there's like definitely a very large cult following of that TV show which is free on IMDb TV, so I oh. know what I'm doing uh, at work next time. But I'll still be doing work. It's just on in the background, okay, folks? Believe me. Um, so they work on that, and then Edgar Wright is like, hey, I want to make this movie. They have this idea from an episode of the show Spaced. So there's this episode where Simon Pegg's character is like high on this drug, and he's playing Resident Evil 2, and then he hallucinates that he's fighting zombies. Cool. And then Ed, Simon Pegg had lived with Nick Frost, and so they kind of like built that into yeah. the movie. And then all of them would go to this pub, and Edgar wow. Wright was always trying to like get him to go somewhere else because yeah. like Simon Pegg and Nick Frost would like only want to go to this one pub, and Edgar Wright's like, let's go anywhere else. Yeah. So there's all so he's of the this Liz of the relationship. Yeah, and there's all this, you know, it's that classic thing that like writers say where it's like write what you know. Mm-hmm. And even though it's a zombie movie, there's so much of who these people really are in this story. 
And it comes across as very lived in and well written. Yeah, I, well, the the uh, premise on IMDb of the movie Shaun of the Dead is like so perfect. It says a man's uneventful life is interrupted by the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> I mean, it couldn't be more perfect than that. That it is like that is the movie. Yeah, yeah. And it is one of those funny classic things where it's like this guy who is just I would say content but also not he doesn't work hard for anything like he's just plateaued in his life yeah and uh, he's his girlfriend mostly is asking him to like better himself like you can be better yeah and uh it, it takes a zombie apocalypse for him to find his potential in being a better person yeah and it's just such a wonderful metaphor absolutely um so all that to say they began working on the movie um Edgar Wright directs it. It's written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. The music is by Pete Woodhead and Daniel Mudford, who I did not find anything else that they've done. Um, Daniel Mudford had done some other stuff, but it was nothing recognizable to me. Okay. Um, Cinematography is by David M. Dunlap, who who does a lot of cinematography on Orange is the New Black, House of Cards, Gossip Girls. Okay. Doesn't work with Edgar Wright again. Okay. And then you had asked about the editing in the movie. You were like, oh, we should keep track of the editor because the editing is such a part of... Um, Edgar Wright movies. Yeah, his style and like the match cuts and then the yeah. quick zoom-ins and, and cuts and all that stuff. Um, so the person who did this movie, is his name is Chris Dickens, and he only edits one more Edgar Wright movie, which That's is one. Hot Fuzz. Oh, okay. So... I think that goes to show, obviously, he edited this movie very well. But it has to be a close collaboration. On Like, he has... I just oh, assume yeah. that Edgar Wright is close collaboration. And, that he, like, it, I'm assuming he writes most of his scripts, too. I just have never really looked at that, but I just assume. Uh, yeah, Edgar Wright has written all of his projects yeah. with Simon Pegg, um, except for Baby Driver is a solo Edgar Wright. So, so like, I'm sure that his script, it, like, an editor can look at it and be like... That's how it's supposed to be, too. Yeah, And then, just to say, Edgar Wright did the screenplay for Scott Pilgrim, but he obviously did not write Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Because yeah. it's based on a graphic novel. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, but I think what this kind of shows me is, like, Edgar Wright, that is his style. It's not like the editor is making those decisions. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they, they, like you said, they're collaborating really well. It just shows that he's good at, you know, that is he's his style. He's good at collaborating with people. Yeah, because I watched this movie and I can see like all the stuff he does in his latest movie, Baby Driver. Yeah, you know. Um, but Chris Dickens Dickens has also done Slumdog Millionaire, Les Mis, um, The Double, the Jesse mm-hmm. Eisenberg movie, which is really an interesting movie. I haven't watched it in a while, but I would throw that out there if you want a very depressing movie. Yeah, to don't watch. watch it if you're in a really good mood. Right, because it, it'll take you a, out. Of it. it kind of messed me up for an evening. Yeah, it deals with a lot of suicide, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's it's got Wallace Shawn in it, so, you know, it has to be good to some degree. Yeah. So the movie in the U.S. comes out September 24th, 2004, and um, we were off on the budget when we were guessing last night. The budget is $6.1 million. Wow. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, domestically, the movie makes $13.5 million, and worldwide it makes $30 million. Great profit. Yeah. Um so well do you do you want to pipe in on anything? Get to give me a give me a second to look at some other stuff real quick. Are you going to explain the Cornetto thing? Yes. 
Okay. Well, let me jump to that, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, so they, so this is called the Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy. And, um, in this movie, this, so this, this was not like a planned trilogy that Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg had. So they, they just made Shaun of the Dead. And in Shaun of the Dead, there's a scene where Nick, um, I don't remember his character name. I think it's, oh no, it's Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's after a night of drinking. He goes, hey, can you grab me a Cornetto when you're out at the shop? Mm-hmm. And when he goes, he grabs a Cornetto ice cream. Which is like a drumstick. Basically, yeah. And um, that is like his hangover cure. And in real life, I mean, I don't know now, but that's that was Edgar Wright's like, oh, I have a hangover. I'm going to have some Cornetto ice cream. Hmm. So that's where it stems from. That's That's as easy as it is. But each of these movies is represented by a color. So this movie is the strawberry Cornetto ice cream because of, of blood, the blood and gore and violence. Okay. Um, then blue for hot fuzz for police. Yes. And then I don't want to spoil everything about it yet. People got to keep other listening. Ones white. It's green. Oh, green. But well, I know what it's for. I I think I would know. We're but. gonna get to it. Okay. Wait, is uh, that the, so? Is that like? They, okay, so <laughs> we don't have Cornetto here, so I just don't get it. Does that mean like they're is uh the white d- vanilla flavor that you can get of cornetto there's a strawberry flavor that you can get and then there's a green flavor that you can chocolate get chocolate chip mint oh okay yeah okay i don't know what the blue is but we're oh. i'm gonna figure it out for next week we're not gonna don't don't spoil it all i want people to have to I listen i don't even know what i would be spoiling well don't <laughs> i'm just happy that we get to do edgar wright movies so. <laughs> yeah me too um, so anyway, they put that in the movie and then at the after party of Shaun of the Dead, Cornetto like delivers them a bunch of free ice cream. <laughs> Whoa. So when they're working on hot fuzz, they were like, Hey, let's put Cornetto in there and get a bunch of more free ice cream. <laughs> That's like what happened. Okay. And so they do that. They don't get any free ice cream this time around. But then when they are writing the third movie, Edgar Wright, like, kind of officially is like this is a trilogy and he dives into all these different themes that are kind of brought up throughout each movie and goes on to it more i'm gonna put a little like to be continued on that conversation okay because this is all all we need to know is that it's really not the beginning of a series planned yeah right now yeah it's a throwaway joke and then it kind of becomes something bigger which is pretty fun yeah um so that's the that's the three flavors, Cornetto, and this is the strawberry one. So, um, isn't okay. Begin okay. Someone from like a reporter from Billboard magazine attributes this movie to the resurgence of the Queen song "Don't Stop Me Now," and they uh oh, <laughs> bless you. Um, Thanks. they wrote a song. They wrote to Brian May, the guitar player of Queen, and like begged him. To let him use the song because they like choreographed that whole scene to that before they had rights. And if to anyone the song. knows Edgar Wright, they you know that he is huge into what the soundtrack is in yeah. his movies. Hence, Baby Driver is like his date is magnum opus for a, a soundtrack. Yeah, and your favorite is still Scott Pilgrim, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, my favorite is Baby Driver. Yeah, it's- I've only seen it once. And every time you want to watch it, I just don't feel like it. I think I because know. for me, it's like, why would we watch that Edgar Wright movie when we could watch <laughs> Hot Fuzz? <laughs> well, the funny... Also, Which is just weird because John Hamm's in it. 
It's also Why would I not want to watch that? A weird one because ever since um Ansel Elgore got in trouble. Ansel Elgore and Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey are in that who have both been found out to be pretty creepy people. And so I've not watched it since I've known that. But um, you know, I, I'm sure Edgar Wright didn't know about those things, and that was before that stuff went down. So yeah. I'm still, well, still that, wanting that to watch that one again. Right before Kevin Spacey's stuff went down. I remember like when it pretty much when it left theaters, that's when it yeah. like all came public. Yeah. That he'd been like preying on people. We don't need to talk about it. No, oh no, no, no. That's all yeah. I was gonna say. Um so um they hi- so <laughs> for the um promotion of this movie they hired actors to like be dropped off in london and like act as zombies and then they would like a van would pull up and like capture them (laughs) what yeah i wish i was alive well i was alive during this time but i wish i was in london during that time yeah i would have been 10 years old and would have been (laughs) peeing my pants but what i know that weird that is so cool um and then they they joked about a theoretical sequel from Dusk Till Sean. And that would have been so good. <laughs> I know, but what's cool about it is apparently the um someone from the Spider-Verse um movie, like someone in the production of Spider-Verse, like contacted Edgar Wright and asked what a good like alternate movie of his could be that they could like include in the background of Spider-Verse. And so they like somewhere in the in Spider Verse there is a poster of From Dusk Till Sean. What? Yeah, isn't that cool? Jeez, this guy's like a pop culture icon. Yeah, and um and then okay, so I have kind of one more main thing. So I'm gonna read this. Um, film scholar Kyle Bishop, um, and leading zombie film researcher Peter Dendel. Um, they described this movie. Bishop explained that the renaissance of the subgenre of zombies um, reveals a connection between zombie cinema and post 9-11 cultural consciousness. Horror films function as barometers of society's anxieties, and zombie movies represent the inescapable realities of unnatural death while presenting a grim view of the modern apocalypse. He finds that the subgenre of zombie films can shock and terrify a population that has become numb to other horror subgenres. The possibility of wide-scale destruction and devastation with 9-11 brought once again into the communal consciousness found a ready narrative expression in the zombie apocalypse, which over 30 years had honed images of desperation. A lot of big words that I'm losing my train of thought on. Does that mean that like zombie movies can be used as a vehicle of like getting out anxiety? Well, like, I, like it's cathartic. What what he is arguing, and and he's including Shaun of the Dead in this, is like the the resurgence of zombie movies is like directly correlated to just like a general anxiety that was in the world yeah. after nine eleven. Yeah, and how I think it is he is making the argument that it is cathartic. Yeah, I guess so, and um. And what what that leads me to wonder, though, so Jordan and I were watching this movie last night, and we were like, this is kind of insane, because right now, COVID-19 is running rampant, numbers are going up, it's bad, bad news. And throughout this movie, we have these characters who are kind of like not even realizing what's happening, not really caring, they're being told to stay indoors. It is like exactly what's happening, minus the comedy 
in in our real world. Yeah. And so what I what it leads me to think about is what is horror going to look like in the next 5 10 years when this huge world trauma of covid has settled in. Hmm. Cuz this is You think there a, might be more zombie things? I don't think there will be zombies. I think there will be something that it and it might take a few years to understand where it's like, "Oh yeah, horror movies had this thing in common that was kind of expressing like how people were reacting to covid and because it's almost like we're a the zombie thing is real so i think it would spawn another version of either maybe zombies or something else that would kind of express a lot of people's anxiety and trauma related to you know being quarantined and being really scared because that hasn't really happened to this extent before. Yeah. So I'm really curious what horror is going to look like in the next 10 years. And it makes me think we should definitely make sure that we are watching a lot of horror movies yeah. from here on out. Because it's really interesting to me. Yeah. That's just why it, horror is just one of... It, it is such an important genre for yeah. so many reasons. And I, the biggest reason why it's so important is because it's a, it, it is... A, can be used as a commentary on what's happening. Yeah. That's why Get Out is so good uh-huh. because it is a commentary on uh, civil unrest, like civil rights issues, uh, how black people are treated. Yeah. Um, and then like... Us too. The movie Us. Us too, yeah. And then movies like Relic that just came out. Everyone who's listening to this needs to watch Relic. Relic's cool. Rebecca, I think it's a little too scary for you. Yeah, if, if you're not... If you can't really handle it, probably don't. Yeah. But... That it's about dementia. Yeah. And it is just like, I'm sure that, I don't know. I just feel like it was such a beautiful representation of dementia. Mm-hmm. And it's just it, it's like, that's, we were talking about this last night. It's what makes sets great horror movies apart from all the trash. Right. And the interesting thing about horror movies is they're either, I, I just feels like they're either great or terrible. Right. And what's interesting is, all the time when I watch a horror movie trailer, it's always piques my interest. Yeah. But most of the time I won't see it in theaters because it's usually not good. Uh-huh. Um, the few that, that have like grabbed our attention was it comes at night. We saw that in theaters. Right. And it lived up to expectations and hereditary. Yeah. And I'm just speaking to things recently. Yeah. Um, which was like such a good movie. Would never watch that one again. Yeah. Insane. Um, I would watch it comes at night again. I would but, watch it comes at night yeah. again. Hereditary is just too, it was too much, but, um, I'm losing my train of thought. It's just, it's just so, it's just so important. Even this movie, it is definitely more of a comedy than anything else, but it uses horror, um, themes. Yes. And it is just like a beautiful, beautiful representation of a guy who needs to get off his butt and do something. Uh huh. That's what it, that's what the zombies are just a MacGuffin for his story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just, that's like the best use of horror. Yeah. And I, speaking to the future of horror, I could see a lot of movies coming out that, that would have, and I know this is a common thing of horror, but maybe a little more pointed where it's like, maybe you were in a house and there's someone in the house that's trying to get you. I know that's common, but you can't get out of the house because that would be like COVID-19. You don't know where it's at. and Or, you know, like a horror movie where like every person, like this person's just scared of every person 
and trying to stay away from people. Like, I feel like there'll be a lot of, um, like, getting could- away from large groups, you know? I, and I don't mm-hmm. know what that would look like. Yeah. But maybe it would manifest itself in something, like, completely different than that. Yeah. You know? I don't know. But it'd be, it'll be really interesting to kind of take that mental note and watch horror movies that, that were written, like, around this time in the next five years. So really, like, the next decade or so, seeing what that genre turns into and looks like. Hmm. Yeah. And isn't that cool to kind of Good. think about a little bit? So um, that is what I got for Shaun of the Dead. Okay. Do you want to jump in? Yeah. So you didn't Already, cover Simon Pegg and Nick Frost as well as I thought you were. Well, I didn't want to really get into their career after this because they're in the next three movies. So I was just yeah, going to... Yeah, but we cover them one time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Simon Pegg is in Mission Impossible. Duh. Uh, two of the movies, right? Uh, th- uh, three. Four of them. Four of them? Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Because he's um, he comes in on Mission Impossible 3. Right on. He's the IT guy. Yeah. Um, he is also in Star Trek... I believe he isn't he po- he assists with writing for the yeah. new Star Trek movies too. He's actually like a pretty huge writing influence in Hollywood. Yes. I don't know that he gets enough credit for his acting, but uh, his writing so for good. sure. Um so yeah, Star Trek and the other thing that I just said that I forgot. Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Nick Frost is in the next couple movies yeah. of this trilogy. Um, he is in a lot of TV, like BBC British TV. That makes a lot of sense. Um, most recently, I remember watching him in, it was like the first non-Edgar Wright thing I watched him in was what that Rupert Grant show. Oh, yeah. That was a big, big flop for me. <laughs> like Sick Note or something like something that? Something like that. Um, so I haven't seen Nick Frost in much thing, many things outside <laughs> yeah. of Edgar Wright stuff. Yeah. That's Nick Frost. Yeah. Um. And then Kate Ashfield, who plays Liz, uh, she's in a lot of uh, TV, BBC, and just American TV. Like that's most of her film career. And she's mm-hmm. in a like she's a working actress, still does stuff cool. a lot. She's also in Beyond Borders, Fakers, and yeah. And then Lucy Davis, who plays the uh, her friend, I forget her Diane. Yeah, I the think. girl from The Office. Well, yeah, she's Pam from The Office, guys. The UK office. Well, what's her real name, though? Lucy Davis. Oh, I meant the, sh- the... I think Diane. In the show. What? Oh, in the show? Yeah. I don't know. I'll look it up. So she's in the UK office. She is the OG Pam. Uh, she's also in Wonder Woman, the newest one. If we have any um, if we have any listeners from um, the UK, they're going to be like, the OG Pam. No, she yeah, is, know, like, Pam is her. What a travesty I just said. She's Dawn in uh, The Office. Okay. Yeah. She's also in Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. <laughs> and she's also in a ton of TV. Like, a ton of TV. Saw that she's in an episode of Bob's Burgers. Oh, cool. Even Family Guy. Oh. But even then, I think she's most recently in the the Sabrina reboot. Oh, the Teenage Witch yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Um, and then Dylan Morin, who plays her boyfriend. Yeah, the Harry Potter looking guy. <laughs> the Harry Potter looking guy. <laughs> Which is what you said, not me. Yeah, I gotta yeah, give he, you credit. He's got a Harry Potter vibe. Um, he also has a funny. He has an anime vibe to me too. Sure. Yeah. He looks like the guy from My Hero. Which guy? The guy with the glasses. 
Oh, the, with the shotgun legs? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he does <laughs> kind of, like yeah. Um, he also just kind of looks like a lot of the dads in the studio. Like, like the, yes, he, he does. He kind of looks yeah. like my neighbor Totoro he's, dad. But the, the shirt he's wearing, too, through most of the movie, it's like, <laughs> that's kind of, I feel like, what he would be drawn in yeah. uh, for the most part. But he's an Irish comedian who doesn't have a lot of acting credits, but he is in Calvary, that movie with Brendan, Brendan Gleeson. Gleeson. Okay. Um, uh, recently. He's also in the short that sounds interesting. I forgot what it was called. But it's him and this guy are like stranded on an island. Sounds like by a, the mob or something. And their feet are cemented in cinder blocks. That's funny. Yeah. That's I'm like, why really is this a short? Funny. This would be a fun movie. Um, And then Jessica Hines, who we already talked about a little bit, who is uh, his friend that he keeps running into throughout the movie. She's in Paddington 2. <gasps> She's also in Bridget Jones' Baby. Oh. She's also in a lot of TV and indie stuff. Ah. <laughs> And then P- Penelope Wilton, who plays Barbara, the mom. Uh, she With, is. By, by the way, for the audience, um, Bridget jo- Bridget Jones series. Um, call in one for yes, two for no. We need to know if we need to cover it. Okay. I guess. Yeah, I'm not going to say any more about it. Um, well, if it, because they can't call in. There's no call in number. Yeah, I, we're um, not going to cover that. Series, Penelope Jordan. Wilton. She is part of the best exotic marigold hotel crew. Oh, brother. Um, she's also in BFG, Doctor Who, the BFJ, Pride and Prejudice, and a ton of TV. Wait, oh, I'm sorry. Who was this? Was this the, the mom? mom. Oh, okay. She's been around the block. So the movie begins. And we see Sean. Wait, why didn't they call this? Why isn't his name S-H-A-W-N? Because then it would be more similar to Don. I don't know. Ask Edgar Wright. Sean of the Dead. That's my one complaint with the movie. Okay. Um, so um, he's in the Winchester, the pub, and um, he is talking with his girlfriend, and she's basically like, you gotta like get your act together. This is no good. And while they're talking, you know, she's, she says, she's saying stuff, and then the camera kind of repositions itself so you can see Ed in the background playing a game, and you start seeing this dynamic of like, even even the way they shoot it is like, oh, this is very personal. And then you switch to that wide shot and you see all three of them and it's like, oh, it's not personal. Like this guy's always she, there. But it's but based on her what she's talking to him about, they never get a moment together. Yeah. So that starts with that, and it's like, oh, they're having a serious talk alone at the pub. Yeah. Cut to Ed the friend. Oh, they're never alone, and that's the issue. Mm-hmm. And then they also cut to her roommates. Right. Even more of an issue because they are very critical of him. Yeah. Um, but obviously, like, they're always, they're around too. Yeah. Very, very good. So it, it, the, they, um, she's talking to him about that. Basically, like, you need to be better, try harder for this relationship or else it won't work. Yeah. And they've already been together for three years. So it's just obviously they're, it, you can get the sense that they are in a rut and they've been, the whole relationship has been in a rut Uh and she says i want to do something we need to go out and just do things like live life i don't want to this is a little bit later in the movie but she's like i don't want to go to that pub every day and then one day just wonder what happened to my life yeah and so um we get that established right away um good kind of thesis start to the movie where it's like this is going to be about a relationship yeah and Um, he promises to make it a reservation at a very nice restaurant for the night and he's gonna change he's gonna change yeah so then we go back to his flat and um 
as the well before we go there there's this little montage of all these people who are acting as zombies before the apocalypse like the zombie apocalypse mm-hmm. has happened mm-hmm. and so it's people like looking at their phones or just like standing there riding on the bus or that the line of of the checkout at the grocery store yeah. just all moving in sequence all very monotonous and right away i'm just like Oh, this is hitting every note that you yeah. want it to hit. This is hilarious. Disclaimer, already. guys, this is a perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty freaking good. I mean, just imagine making something this good. Just a vi- I would never have to make anything again. But if you make something this good, you can probably make something this good again. Or a couple more times. Yeah. So um, showing people as zombies, then we have the like iconic trailer shot, which I saw a lot before the movie, where it shows Sean like, it shows his feet as he's walking to the bathroom, but then in the trailer, it instead of just a slow, normal pan up, it would speed up that footage oh, to okay. him yawning, and oh. it was always like, oh, that's clever in the trailer. Yeah. Then seeing it in the context of the movie is obviously better, yeah. and it's not that gross, sped up trailer thing yeah, that they yeah, do yeah. sometimes. Um, so we see that, and al- already there's just all this like foreshadowing and hinting. Like If you did not know this was a zombie movie, you'd be like, oh, what? okay you know of course they reveal the title but even still you're like this is kind of interesting Mm -hmm. and then um we get introduced to um ed and peter sean's um roommate whose name is peter funny enough and we we love peter serafinowicz i think we've covered him um i think we have talked about him guardians yeah we're a huge fan we probably touched on him but i do want to know it's always fun to say that he is the voice of darth maul in 1999's star wars episode one the phantom menace and the other actor was kind of pissed about that which is a funny thing wait why because the actor who played darth maul his voice was not used in the movie did it oh so peter serafinowicz overdubbed it oh um and when peter went in to do it he didn't really know what exactly what he was doing because it was so under lock and he knew it was star Star wars Wars, yeah but he didn't know like what his lines were and it was i think it was one of those things where he saw the movie and was like this is what i was doing like he didn't really even realize he was in the movie when he saw it um and also not to get too far off track but that's kind of weird because darth vader when that actor who played him uh he was overdubbed as well did he not know about it and he was pissed about it really yeah he was because it's really, james Earl jones it's james Earl jones because it was like they were seeing the footage and they're like this guy i mean he's got like a british like get the rebel clones and get them now like oh, it's oh, okay. it's not good yeah. it's not good for darth vader so he overdubbed him and so it's interesting that in the next trilogy um the big baddie did they do that in the darth new Maul, trilogy I don't think so, but I wonder. I mean, is it Kyle? Is it Adam Driver? Or I mean, is that's it definitely else? Adam Driver. I know. I know. <laughs> they almost, he has a perfect voice for that role. I know. So. It, it w- almost would have been funny just for this conversation here if they would have gotten someone else. <laughs> but huh. anyway, so. I mean, there's a lot of people who do BB-8. That's true. Well, two. But, oh, um, just Bill Hader and Ben, ben Schwartz. Schwartz. Yeah. Oh, so, I thought there were more. No. 
anyway, so uh, we see that, and then we have the great one shot where Simon Pegg is walking to right, like walking whoa, across whoa, whoa, the wait. street. So yeah, Peter shows up and is just saying like uh, Ed needs to pull his weight around here. He doesn't even make money. You find out that Ed does nothing but play video games, smokes weed, and drinks all day. Yeah, and you see, you see this in the first shot, but you also are understanding that Simon Pegg is always defending him. Always, always, yeah. always. Because it's like, he's a he's a good laugh. Yeah. I don't want to kick him out. Like, that would be mean. And, and he's just, he's a good guy. He's entertaining. And one thing that Peter mentions is that he always leaves the front door open. Always, <laughs> always, always. Like, all, like you said, these tiny little nuggets that are just foreshadowing to things later. Mm-hmm. And it's so perfect. Again, well, it's, it's really, movie. really smart comedy writing. Yes. Because instead of like, you know, because there's like the airplane style of comedy. Yeah. Where it's like slapstick, like slapstick and just like crazy and like very stupid, but very aware. I'd also put like hot rod kind of in that category as well. Then there's like this movie does kind of get into social commentary and stuff like this, but it's just really smart writing where it's like set up payoff set up payoff to the point of like the the vinyl records that they use are like a setup and payoff like yeah. everything is set up so you're just like getting primed to laugh and then when you rewatch it you know that it's being set up so it's even funnier the second and that's time you watch why it. there's like a note like i'm sure studios when it's time for Edgar Wright to come out with a new movie they're just like please go with us i mean i don't really know how it really works but it's yeah. like that his movies are so rewatchable that it just means that people are spent content if they don't own the movie, continue to spend more money on the movie, or that means more people probably own his movies yeah. than an, than another person because it is, I'm sure, a higher chance that every moment will rewatch one of his movies mm-hmm. than another comedy. Yeah. Because it is so rewatchable. It's like Arrested Development. It, the, yeah, the show that's is a good... so rewatchable because every time you watch it, you you laugh at something new. Yeah. And uh, but fun to note is that Scott Pilgrim was a huge bomb at the off- box office. That is a travesty. Yeah, but people love it. Yeah, it's it's since like regained its yeah it, it back. And luckily, Baby Driver was a massive success that year. That was yeah. like one of the big movies. So I think he's good. Um, so then we see that one shot where he's going in buying stuff, and he is acting very zombieish. And people are it's it's setting up like later that next shot when people are the zombies. Great. So now he is at work, and um, his pen spills, mm-hmm. and this is when people keep saying, like, you've got red on you. You've got red on you. And if people notice that uh, there's this kid who were, who's one of his employees, who oh, is yeah. like the British Seth Rogen. He just looks like Seth Rogen. Uh-huh. Uh, but all that being said, it's like, that guy's kind of familiar. And you find out it, he was in Fallen Kingdom, the movie that we just covered. Yeah. He's like the the bad guy. Who, yeah. Who like the twist is that? I mean, it's not really a twist. Yeah, you but see like, it he from starts a mile good, away, but obviously he's bad. Yeah, he's like the quite the, transformation. the shareholder of like yeah. the Hammond Corporation or whatever. Yeah, I don't know, some stupid thing. Um, and uh, he's much better in this movie. Yeah, definitely. And then as, as what, what, one of the things that I just love about this movie is as this is all happening, you're hearing like, you're hearing like radio and like, he's, he's flipping through the channels on the TV, showing them to people. And he's like, there's news, news. Well, you know, you got all your news channels because all the channels are being taken over because this, this his, virus is breaking but what's out. So interesting is every time he begins to pay attention, his attention's someone like grabs his attention for something else which is like so relevant to today too 
Absolutely. And and it's it's so one of the one of the things I, I wanted to read, when he when he gets back home and he's flipping through the channels, he flips through each channel, but there's a break, but it says all the information. Yes. So it says Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. There's change channel. Panic on the streets of London. Change channel. As an increasing number of reports of change channel. Serious attacks on change channel. People who are literally being change channel. Eaten alive. Change channel. But witness reports are sketchy. One unifying detail seems to be that the attackers, in many instances, appear to be change channel. Dead. Excited to have with us here. And that's just great writing. Oh my gosh, it's just so great. Um, so, you know, this is all happening, and I and I love this because really, it it actually it's it's still really really funny. But I think I'll I'll just speak for myself. There is absolutely a level of like before Corona got to America, the coronavirus. It was like okay, I'm reading about it and all that stuff, but it's not going to happen here. I don't really need to worry. I just don't need to worry about it. So I'm doing all these things and, you know, going places and, and I'm getting like slightly worried, but I'm like, it's going to be fine. Like this stuff doesn't happen in America yeah. is what I selfishly and like um, pridefully kept thinking. And now it's here and it's, it almost is like, you know, we weren't prepared for it. Yeah. Uh, well, at least the government was not prepared for yeah. it. And so it's, it's kind of it's very cathartic watching this movie now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so relevant. It's probably like the perfect like qu- movie to watch during this time. If you need like a cathartic experience. Yes. Um, so no, 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 no. So he has the fight with Liz. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they break up. Yeah. He basically, he doesn't, he, you know, she, he misses a message from her about, you know, making the reservation later. But she calls him again and he's, you know, trying to get off the phone quickly. So he's not listening to her. Yeah. And then when he gets home after work, he realizes he never made the reservation. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it's too late. Yeah. And therefore, they she dumps him Mm -hmm. quite understandably. And then he goes to her apartment uh, to try and win her back. And her roommates are there doing the same thing of criticizing him. And basically being like, why would she get back with you at this point? And, you yeah. know, and she's like, you, you promised me that you're going to quit smoking. You promised me that you were going to get back to the gym. <laughs> yeah. You promised me that we were going to like travel together. And he's like, well, we've been to Greece. And she's like, we met in Greece. Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's yeah. amazing. And her, the, the <laughs> guy was like at a rave. She's like, yeah, look, we met in Greece at a rave. And, and like, the, like, that's just so lame. And I love, I love like the the like little bit of like breadcrumbs that they leave throughout the script of that that friend is in love with Liz. Yes. Because like right here he's like he's like, why do you care so much? Or he says something like, you're always obsessed with Liz or something like that. And you're like, oh. And and then he he's like baggage. Yeah, he turns to his girlfriend and he's like, that was so that was so weird that he yeah. said that. Yeah. Um so then he goes to the bar with Ed and he's really depressed. And in this scene and this is a classic Edgar Wright trick. He does this in Baby Driver as well, where he foreshadows the entire events of the movie. And um, I pulled it up because I wanted to make sure we we got it. So this is when Simon Pegg and Nick Frost are at the pub, and Simon Pegg's like mourning his relationship. Yeah, and he's like, what do you propose we do? And so he says, do you know what we should do tomorrow? And then uh, Ed says, keep drinking. Bloody Mary, first thing. 
So as we know, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. they keep drinking this night, and then the next day there is a woman named Mary who's in their backyard, and she gets very bloody at yeah. one point. Then he says a bite at the king's head. So Philip's dad gets bitten, mm-hmm. or I mean, um, Simon Pegg's dad gets bitten. The king, um, a couple at the little princess. So then they go to the flat where Liz is at, mm-hmm. and there's a couple with her, the little princess. Mm-hmm. Um, then he says, stagger back here and there. Remember, they sneak into yep. the bar by pretending they're zombies. And then he says, back at the bar for shots. Yeah. And then they're back at the bar with a gun. With guns. Yeah. Come on. That's 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 what you want. Foreshadowing is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I love foreshadowing so much. It's the best. And it also just rules when you're rewatching stuff. Unfortunately, he says it so quickly that I couldn't really hear everything he was saying yeah, because yeah, yeah. I'm not as attuned to British, uh, quick British talking as much as I wish I was. Well, it's been a long <laughs> one, long time since we watched Sherlock, which I feel like is the cap of the <laughs> like you got to watch an episode maybe twice just because Benedict Cumberbatch talks so fast and he is vo- his voice is so low. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to understand. I th- I was think you know I think I should have gotten it because I just watched all of I Am Alan Partridge and yeah. Steve Coogan is pretty like on top of things when he's talking and there's all these other british actors in that but i mean i i don't know i probably missed 40 percent of what was said in that show but yeah very funny if you need if you're looking for a laugh um so they um get back and they have a fight with peter Mm -hmm. their uh, roommate because they're being really loud and listening to music and he comes down and he's like i have to go to work tomorrow everyone is sick except for me so you can see that i'm stressed and he show they're like, "What's with your hand?" And he goes, "Well, I was attacked by a mugger and bit." And they're like, "That's really." He's like, "Why did he silly. bite you?" And he's like, "I didn't hang around long enough to ask." And then he also says to Simon Pegg about how like you only keep Ed around because so that you don't have to be the biggest loser here. Yeah. And Simon Pegg's like, "What does that mean?" And he says, "I think you know what I mean." And it's like, oh, really struck the chord there. Mm-hmm. So. You know, he goes off back to bed. They they continue their evening. Yeah. And next morning. Next morning, we recreate the same one shot that we had from the morning before. But this time, the streets are, like, deserted. And then there's people... In the background, stumbling. But Simon Pegg, hungover, is just, like, looking down at the ground, just, like... Doing his thing. Yeah. Whatever. Go Goes to the convenience store. There's blood. There's so much blood everywhere that he slips on it. <laughs> but doesn't notice yeah um and gets the cornetto gets his diet coke i i think it's funny that he um you know he picks up coke Uh and he's like looking at it and then he opts for the diet coke because i feel like in his mind he's like oh that's me making a better choice for myself yeah i'm I'm gonna make a a change yeah yeah yeah. so he just chooses diet coke to drink at what like 9 a.m or something um so yeah he goes back home and it's just because it's a one shot like so well blocked yeah that the the zombie people are so much closer to him now <laughs> yeah. but he's still hung over not paying attention just beautiful so well, and and i uh, speaking to one shot which we actually talked a lot about in our jurassic park series because yeah. steven spielberg master um but i the the i i do love a really showy one shot it's it's really really fun yeah but th- these kind of one shots i think are better yeah. Because this is really like driving the story forward and it really makes, it puts you more into what you're seeing 
um, more into the moment because it's a one shot. It feels very. It's not just doing it to show off and be cool. It is like it serves a, a story purpose. And this is one where there are clearly no cuts. Yeah. You know, like if you, I mean, Children of Men has the best like showy one. So I'm not going to knock that one. But, you know, you see one shots nowadays and they're cool. But, you know, you're like, oh, okay. They went on that guy's black, like his, his, they went over his black suit. So you're like, okay, yes. that's a cut. Well, and then they come back. And, is a really good example of the, yeah. the, the movie is, it takes place in real time. So from beginning to end, like, let's, I don't remember how long it is. The movie's an hour and a half. He, well, I think there is some time jumpage. Very, very limited. I though. don't think there is. Okay. So let's just say he does experience an hour and a half of time. And yeah. that's what we see. Um, but if you do pay attention, but so, some of it is. Oh, there so... is because he gets knocked out. Okay. I thought so. I forgot about that. Um, but pretty much when he is awake, we are experiencing time with him. Mm -hmm. However, uh, there are so many times that there are cuts that you don't notice. Yeah. And what's so brilliant about that movie, the way that Sam Mendes. Yeah. The way that he does it is, um, which I've never seen this before. It's a VFX. You got to watch the VFX artists, artists react episode yeah. on it, but they're showing that they have used CGI to, uh, yeah. to like make the cuts seamless. And yeah, you and would I, never know. No, it's very... I mean, there are like one or two, I think, in the movie that you... Of someone passing in front of the camera. Well, yeah, there's plenty of those. But the, I think like when he jumps off the waterfall, you're like, oh, that's one. You know, because oh, well, he like yeah. clearly turns CG. But yeah. um, I... I yeah, I think that that movie does make it was a good experiment on the the one shot. I still think that like the movie would be better if it wasn't a one shot. I think that was kind of its Says you its its biggest like downfall. What? I I think it kind of took away from the movie for me because I that's all I was thinking about was like where are the cuts, and I wasn't really I was never emotionally invested in that movie. Yeah, you and I felt very differently about that movie. I know I'm I like know. crying at the end, and you're just like, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, I was like, okay. Saving Private Ryan's a lot better. And so in Children <laughs> of Men, in that like 20-minute one, are there no cuts? There are, yeah. There, there are? There are several, okay. yeah. And that, it's, that it's it, I think it's like seven or eight minutes, not 20, but... Oh, feels like 20. It feels like 20, but... Um, that, and that's not a dig. That's like a... No, it's like so 20, intense that you're just yeah. like, oh. But um, yeah, no, 1917 is a good movie. I'm not knocking it. It's a preferential thing. Like, I just think the movie... Yeah would have been more emotionally satisfying had it not been a one shot. And from my perspective, in my opinion, that's why I liked it. So like, that's why I mo was so emotionally invested. I think yeah, was because of how it was done. And, yeah. And it'd be interesting to watch again. Cause it's like, I know, although I'm still, that's all I'll think about is like how many shots are in the movie. I, I, I can't watch it without that. Yeah. But maybe I'll try. I don't know. Um, all that matters is that Bong Joon-ho won four Oscars that year. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's true i was like i was really hoping that because 1917 is like the obvious winner you know what i mean well, in I, a, a lot of ways and i can't remember off the top of my head but that one after watching and reading a lot about it, it's like that movie needs to win like all the technical awards because mm -hmm. so much went into that movie they like literally dug trenches and they yeah. had to redig them because of snowfall like just insane production yeah, did it win best like pr I th production it, design? I think it won. It won one of those at yeah. least, and it's like okay, fine, you got yeah. one. That's good enough. Um, but yeah, it was oh, man when Parasite won. That was like a Super Bowl moment. <laughs> it really was. I remember Bong we were Juno just like just, cheering, like, almost fainting, <laughs> and Kango's song like get up, get up. And then he's like, I think when he won the the screenplay, he was just like, 
I'm not gonna stop drinking <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, oh man, I've never wanted like I've never wanted to be South Korean more than this moment right now, just <laughs> yeah. so that I can like, be, like feel feeling this more. So proud, so proud, like all the proud. <laughs> wow, I can't talk. I'm so excited for him. <laughs> um. So anyway, um. So he comes back, and then they see that there's a woman in the backyard. And so that's Mary, and they kind of fight her. They still don't realize what's going on. Yeah, they just think she's really drunk. Yeah, but then she falls on, like, he, she gets pushed onto, like, a, a metal pole, uh-huh. and it slices through her, and she gets up and starts Pretty going cool shot. after them. Yeah, definitely. And, um, and then they go inside, and they're like, what the heck are we going to do? I really, really like how the zombies are just, like, slow. And lethargic. And, yeah. Yeah, and it's not... Like, the fast zombie thing, I've never thought... I've always been, like, I'm I don't know. I'm not super into the superhuman stuff. Like, World War Z is, a, like, too much for me. I never saw it. Um, I remember, like, liking the movie well enough. But it is... They're, they're like, superhuman, pretty yeah. much. But they are eating people. Yeah. Um, And then... But Train to Busan is, a, is I think, a well-done example of, like, they were insane. Yeah, but that one but was... But they were still pretty traditional. But I, I liked how in that one, like, they, they, you know, if they didn't see you, they could didn't know you were there. You know, they were still, yeah. like, brain dead. I don't like when the zombies are, like, smart enough to, like, fa- like problem solve. Yeah. That just doesn't, like, track with me. And I think this movie, and it's a it's played for laughs, but I also think it's just such a, a nice touch, is that there were a couple times when someone becomes a zombie, but they're still them like when philip turns into a zombie and simon Pegg's like mom that is not my dad anymore no it's not even your husband he is nothing anymore and he goes up to the car and turns off the radio yeah because he hates the music (laughs) it's like really good touch but then we get the payoff of like they left the door open the zombies come in there's just a great scene where they're out in their in the backyard and they realize that they can hit him in the head and so they start throwing no, records they, at them. They, they they go they go back inside and the news they're watching the news. Right. And the the newscaster says, uh, "Separate the head from the body or destroy the brain." Yes. Yeah. So then they they go outside and they have his record collection and they're like shuffling through oh, the records gosh. and it's like it's like oh that's BC Boys album that's their first pressing don't do that one and then it's like what about the soundtrack to Batman throw, throw it, it. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're going through. Uh, great amazing touch and then basically they're like they make a plan of what they're gonna do um with some great i'm assuming there's got to be some gifts of simon Pegg lifting up his pint and winking at the camera with a big smile on his face um more great editing more great editing so um then they're like okay let's take peter serafinowitz car and uh simon goes upstairs and peter's in the shower and he's a zombie Mm -hmm. and uh you know he's scared they get out of there they head to Barbara's house. And when they're... Oh, by the way, George Romero watched this movie. Oh, the Dawn of the Dead guy? George Day Romero, of the Living Dead? Ma- Night of the Living Night Dead. Night of the Living and Dead. And that whole series. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah. for like one movie that's not directed by him, I think. That guy's still alive. Uh, yes, I believe so. Wow, so George, George Romero is... He, he is the one who created the modern day zombie. Yes. And that is with Night of the Living Dead. Because before, zombies are like in the universal like monster camp. And they didn't like, they were not what they are modern, modern wise. So he created that. And so he saw this movie and he really liked it. He thought it was great. 
Oh, that's awesome. And there's a there's a scene, there's a line in this movie, it has something to do with Barbara, that they just like took an exact line from Night of the Living Dead, even the name Barbara, and he like didn't even realize that they did that. <laughs> and they had they like told him about it later. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, that's cool. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So um uh, let's see. They go to her house. They f- they find out. Well, they knew this prior, but that Philip had been bitten. Yes. So they go, and he's his. Pl- their plan is to kill Philip because they're assuming he's a zombie. But when they get there, he's not a zombie yet. Mm-hmm. He's just sick. Yeah. Um, and you learn a little bit more that you know it's not his dad. It's Philip, his stepdad. Yes. And um, then he, there's actual character development in this scene. Yes. And, th- and uh, throughout with his relationship with Philip. And even with his mom, because he's talking to his mom like, Mom, how much do you love Philip? Yeah. And, you know, she's like, oh, don't be ridiculous. And then he lies about him touching him. And, you know, and then she gets really mad and she's like, you need to respect my feelings. I've been with him for 17 years. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's like her. Hu- that is her husband. And he's like, that was a lie. I just... Because, you know, he wants her to hate him so he can kill him before he becomes a zombie. Yeah. But then they decide to put him in the car with them. Yeah. And then they go to the apartment where Liz is at. And there's, you know, kind of a fight there with everybody trying to decide what to do. But he's like, it's not about you and me anymore. It is about survival. Yes. Which gets them all in the car. Gets them in the car. Great. I I think... um, they whoever like the stunt coordinator and stuff like that is i think they did a pretty good job of like for the most part most of the like stuff with the cricket bat looks like it's actually hitting them hard yeah and i don't know maybe it's a foam bat or something i don't know yeah but um because sometimes after watching stuntmen react like you start to notice like oh yeah sometimes like an actor is not necessarily good at like faking hits and stuff like that. Right. But I think it helps that he's not supposed to be like a superhero. He's like a normal guy just yeah. throwing his cricket bat around. Yeah. So the 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 action is actually has some impact as well, all that to say. Yeah. It feels like it has actual impact. Um then they so they do that um th- there's all these just great like human moments like they get in the car and Liz and his mom have never met and he's like he's like okay, we need to head to the pub, this, that, um, and Liz, this is my mom. Mom, this is Liz. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, Philip becomes a zombie, but before he does, him and Simon, like, make up, and he gets to say, like, I, I have always loved you. I tried to be a good father to you. And he's like, you know, he accepts calling him dad now. Yeah. Um, then that's when he becomes a zombie. They all get out of the car. They try, but there's the, the child lock on the car. <laughs> right. But, yeah, they, they get out of the car, um, and they make their way on foot to the winchester yes and while they're there you mentioned something about barbara which i have not noticed i did not notice in the movie yeah well so on on there they're jumping through people's backyards yeah and at one point they get to a backyard and she's like isn't this where bob and susan live i don't know i think that's the names i don't know yeah but like she lingers in the backyard and then they get like she almost gets you know eaten by one of the zombies they take care of it um and then Basically, yeah, when they left Philip from now on, she seems very absent-minded. Yeah. And it's just such good acting because, like, I mean, one, the twist is she was bitten. You find that out much later. So that's one thing that she's, like, she just is shocked. But I think that happens after she goes and meets Bob and Susan. I think that's when she gets bitten. No, it is. It is. I'm just saying, she's, I just feel like she does such a good job of, like, she just lost her husband. Mm -hmm. She just abandoned him. Yeah. And so you she's can going through see grief. it. Yeah. 
Very good. Yeah. And we also get the gag that will go throughout all of these Cornetto movies where Simon Pegg says, I know a shortcut, and he tries to jump over a fence and fails at it. Yes. Um, I mean, it's it's a variation of that each time because the next movie, he makes it over the fence. Yes. But the next one has the probably the funniest fence gag to me. Yeah. But we'll get to that. So he jumps, and the fence, like, falls as yeah. he is jumping over it. Um, so... Uh, they're, they're in the backyard. The yes. Winchester's right over the next fence, and he goes up a tiny little ladder yeah, to, to do okay. the lookout. It is so... It's, like, just... What it's a really good cinematography. Idea. So they... He goes up. The camera does not follow him going up the ladder. Goes up, comes down. His he's completely pale. And, and they're like, "Is the coast clear?" He's like, "Nope." They're like, "They're a lot over there." Yep. And then the camera slowly lifts up, and this is the only crane shot in the movie, and it lifts up over the fence, and you see that there's like a hundred zombies in between them and the Winchester. Yeah. So that's when they devise that they need to. Um, like pretend that they are zombies yes so that of course is what they do and um very funny and and there's that great scene this is when you mentioned the grief thing where um don who well don from the office diane i, I think is her name diane she she's, she's an actress she's an actress and she's like okay well, you pretend to be a zombie you pretend to be a zombie and then she's like barbara and barbara's she's just, like empty stare empty stare and then she's like that's perfect and then she goes what i phased out for a little bit there yeah very good mm -hmm. so then and there's that funny bit where she she goes ed and ed does this really weird thing and um then sean's like what was that and he goes you do it and then sean does something and he's like oh that's actually really good yeah and <laughs> and throughout this time throughout them getting to the winchester uh, you kind of get the sense that, like, you know, Ed is a is kind of a bit of a loser. Yeah. But you know, he's a guy that is all talk. Like, I'll kill. Like, when Peter confronts him, he's like, "I'm gonna kill that guy the next time I see him, or the next time I see him, he's dead and he is dead." But yeah. <laughs> um, all that to say is, is he, you know, he's someone who definitely is like says he's gonna do all these things and he never does all these things. And when it's his time to shine, he does not do anything because of apathy. Mm -hmm. um, the other guy is because of fear. He yeah. doesn't do anything, but like he is just like when he's driving, he's driving extremely recklessly. He's like trying to hit zombies. He's just, like, he does not care about other people's safety at all. Completely immature. Yeah. And so much so that he's like, now he's just on his phone. Yeah. The when he, he gets the call and he, there's all the zombies around and he's like, yeah, no, I can't really talk right now. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah. And all the zombies are coming toward them. Yeah. And, yeah and sean confronts him about it yeah and that's kind of when their relationship comes to a head where he's like P you know you see that he's realizing like people are right about you like yeah. you're you need to like be better yeah so he he is sean distracts the zombies they all get into the winchester and then they're in there um they're waiting for sean sean comes in he catches like the way he comes in is fantastic and yeah. kind of epic and then zombies start breaking in is this after Barbara dies or before? She dies like during. Okay. Cause uh, the, yeah. Cause the queen song happens. Yeah. The jukebox turns on. And it's already been established that it's on random and they're attacking a guy with pool, pool cues and it's to the beat of the music. Yeah. Um, love that. Yeah. And then Barbara is dying because mm -hmm. she got bit. And so then Simon Pegg has to like reckon with that. Yeah. So they do, and he has a, they have a good heart to heart. And then 
he has to kill his mom. Mm-hmm. And he's already killed. Well, I guess he didn't technically kill Philip, but, but he I, left him for dead. Yeah, know? and I think he killed Peter because Peter comes into the bar at one point. Um, Peter. Peter Serafinowitz. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. He does. Nick he does. Him. He does. But the the funny thing is, uh, Peter bites Ed, which is like, it's poetic justice. Yeah. That, that he would be the one to bite Ed. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So they're breaking in. It, it's just getting worse and worse. Um. It kind of starts because the Harry Potter guy, I forget his name. Um, yeah. He gets. This is probably the most violent part of the movie uh-huh. when he's being lifted out by the zombies <laughs> apart. and they're rip, ripping apart his stomach and he's still alive oh that it, one's it, hard to watch yeah that one i don't know it's hard to figure out like why some things cause like a visceral reaction and others don't because that to me was like so schlocky it, in, it is, in a good yeah. way that i was laughing because it's like it's, it was so funny looking and like his legs pop off and his head and stuff. And it's like, it is really gory, but it feels like it's more in like the Tarantino zone where yeah. you're just like, oh my gosh, this is insane. Yeah. Um, and then his girlfriend goes out after him. So she's obviously gone. Yeah. Um, I think there is like a short or like a comic book. Cause there were like some comic book things that Edgar Wright wrote where she actually makes it out. Okay. Oh really? I think. That's cool. Um, but I'm not positive yeah. about that. So, um, Basically, all the zombies corner Ed, Simon, and Liz in the at the bar behind the bar, and they uh, have to go down into the cellar. That's the the only means of escape. They get down there and they can't get out of the cellar. Like they can't get the one last door to open. Ed's already pretty much dead. He's been bitten pretty good. Yeah. Um. So one, one thing I want to mention real quick though is uh, Simon Pegg puts on the like Rambo. Yeah. Like it's his tie. Tie around his his head and i i don't know if there is one in um the world's end um but in this one it's like one of the characters kind of takes on like a rambo role yeah and then in hot fuzz nick frost is like always talking about point break and then at one point he like it fires his gun into the air like in point break so i wonder if there's a third like like this movie's, that one's very obvious though. yeah this movie's rambo that movie's point break what's the third one? Oh, I you know what it, i'm saying because it, yeah, it's yeah. all got all those things yeah. that they reprise kind of so yeah. i just wanted to point that out for yeah. the future um funny so when they're down in the cellar liz and sean have to come to terms with there's only two bullets left they might as well just kill themselves yeah uh and which uh, i couldn't remember how it ended and i'm like is that how this ends yeah i was like right. i don't think it but, is but, it, but it's, it's a good writing because like i mean it feels so hopeless at this point yeah and it is interesting you know that he mentioned something about them being together and she's like i didn't say we got back together and he's like do you really want to die single yeah um and then you know they find out that they can get out of the cellar and they leave nick in there yeah um so they get out and it's a duex machina as soon as they get out all of the like the the army shows up yeah and, sh- and shoots all the zombies the one saved. thing the one thing that i like movies like this um which actually i think this movie avoids it because of the very last scene in the movie yeah but it's like when you have like these insurmountable odds and it's specifically with zombies it's like okay so they either have to escape and get to like a utopia or they have to die and and there is an element of like at least for me when I get to an end of a movie with these kind of stakes it's like okay which ending did they choose A or B right and it's always like there there is like when I get to the end of these I kind of feel this like okay I'm done with the movie yeah, now yeah, yeah. kind of um 
But this one, I think it avoids it because they do go back to normal life. Well, and the the characters are so rich. Yeah. And ca- like they're rich in character. So because yeah. it's not about zombies, it is about their relationship. So they're saved. Six months later, you see that they're living. Liz and Sean are together, living together. And they live with the zombies now. Liz, and yeah, they've figured out how to live with the zombies <laughs> the one it's just one of the most genius things they're flipping through channels on tv and you see that they've created like game shows with zombies yeah. and there's one where it's like a it's like a daytime television drama not a reality tv drama <laughs> like this a, woman like what's that guy's name well, like a murray or something isn't that guy's name oh there's one but the 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 Ferguson? american one oh my gosh what it, the like you are his him. The, the father or something. You're the like father that. of this baby, and it's like a big fight will ensue on daytime right. television. Um, there's a couple the of those, I think. But there's like the one. Um, Isn't it not Murray or something? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Anyway, this woman is on t- on a show like that, and she's like, I just, I'm, I still have the ring on. I'm still, he's still my husband. I'm still married to him. And everyone's just so disgusted in the audience, and they're like, you go to bed with it? And then it changes channels. And then, yeah, it changes channels, <laughs> and then... I, I like that they went back to that newscaster who was an actual newscaster. Yeah. Um, and he's like, it's just so crazy to, you would never uh, getting into this kind of job, whatever think that you would have to broadcast on live television, separate the head from the body or destroy the brain. Yeah. So, I guess all the people on TV are like actual. Yeah. Those are their actual jobs. That they makes, got like the actual. I was hoping so. Yeah. Also Coldplay's on there. Yeah. Well, two of them anyway. Two yeah. Of them. Yeah. Wilton, Wilton, uh, Chris, you know, whatever um and then they're talking about what they're gonna do today yeah and liz lays it all out this is what we should do and it is interesting that she is pretty much saying the things that he would have done with ed it's just very monotonous like make some tea yeah go to work have dinner go to the pub come back home go to bed well she she's learned to cool off a little bit and just to be content and he's learned to like be better because yeah. he he's like what are we like he is initiating like what are we going to do today i want to yes. like do something and she's like let's not do anything kind yes. of a thing it's like right. a reversal in a good way very sweet they could have ended there and i would have been fine but but it ends in a better place yeah go good. for it no you go for it uh he says i'm gonna go out to the shed for a minute and uh she's like okay just two minutes and he goes out to the shed who's out there but ed a zombie chained because it's play. really about them. And, and that's the, the, the cute thing is like, yes, he's a zombie. He's It's really not Ed anymore, but at the same time, they're playing video games together. Like, it's still Ed. Yeah. But it is funny. He almost bites him. And he's like, come on, man. You know. Yeah. And so right. and so it's it's really a story about their relationship. Yes. And um, that is Shaun of the Dead. Lovely, lovely movie. Yes. Um, I already feel like we have probably talked more substance in this than we had in the two Winnie the Pooh episodes combined. Easily. Not knocking Winnie the Pooh, yeah. but it just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, awesome. So next week we will be doing Hot Fuzz, which is a great movie. Um, couple of things, though. Before you leave. Before you leave, folks, I put out a video um, last week that is me playing all the guitar like i transpose um a song from the score of little women 
into all guitar parts and I made a YouTube video and it's the song. So like violins or guitar, cellos or guitar, all of this stuff. It's really, really cool. I really would love for everybody and their mother to see it. Mm -hmm. So please watch it, watch it again, share it, please, please, please share it. And then also patreon.com slash Micah McCaw. This month we're talking about the Incredibles. Okay. For as little as $3. And I know there's a couple of you that are probably like, I've been thinking about it. I'm not sure. Just pull the trigger. It's literally less than a cup of coffee. Come on. Once a month, $3. Do it. You will enjoy yourself. If you like this, it's the same thing, but we're doing movies that only have two movies. Yes. So um, hit that up. Do you have anything, Jordan? Not right now. Okay. Also, I did write an article on ultimateactionmovies.com about the music of Mission Impossible. Yes, that's good. So check that out, too. But especially the little women. That's what I want to push the most yes. right now. Um, that's on my YouTube, Micah McCaw YouTube. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.